Okay. Good morning. Are we having some troubles in the back? All right. Let's try this again. This is uh, a song that uh, it's good to see everybody. It was supposed to start out differently, but that's okay. This is a song about vision, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So you can turn down the volume. We, uh, we ran over that one. Today we're going to be talking about our 2020 vision for the East Region. I hope you're excited. Our plans for the next 10 years, including this one. Where do you envision your life in the next 10 years, in the year 2020, December 31st, or January 1st, where do you see your life? Where do you want to be? What do you want to do for God? And we're going to be uh, sharing today, rolling out. I'm going to have the ushers pass out uh, the, the, the sheet that we have for you. And we're also going to be going through a lesson. And uh, I want you to, before we begin, and let's go through the sheet together. But I want you to, this is a, this is a note-taking lesson that we're going to have today. All right, so get a pencil or and a piece of paper out. And if you're visiting here with us, maybe somebody next to you. Maybe you're not used to doing that at, at church, but this is something we believe because the Word of God is so important, we want to write it down. And so at the top of your notes, all right, I want you to write your, your favorite number. What is it? What's your favorite number? Just write it down. And just so we're being honest here, Gabriel... What you wrote down, show it to your neighbor on that piece of paper. Okay? Show it to Robert. Okay? Do you have it written down? Did you share it? Okay, all of you that wrote a number, wrote a number less less than 10, raise your hand. Less than 10, raise your hand. Look how many. All right. All of you that wrote a a number less than 50, raise your hand. All right. Maybe maybe I should say more, more than 10. Raise your hand if you wrote a number more than 10 as your favorite number. All right. All right. More than 100, raise your hand. More than 100. More than 1,000. Raise your hand as your favorite number. Okay? More than a million. Raise your hand. Anybody left? Got two right here. These guys here are big thinkers. Why? Why is this so important? And it's okay if you have a small number that's favorite. But, you know, the... The guys who began the company that's so huge right now, it's Google. Two college students. The term Google is mathematical terminology that means a one with how many zeros behind it? One hundred zeros. That was their vision for their company. A one with one hundred zeros. That's their favorite number. No wonder. Their company is what it is. And today I hope that we can grasp how awesome God is. Because even these two college students 
a hundred zeros isn't enough for God. God's number is the infinite number. There is no limit to His number. It's infinity and beyond. And that's our God. That's who we worship. And that's who we are going to base our plans on for the next ten years. An awesome God. And uh, our focus is building faith and spreading love. And uh, kind of a, a, a vision or of what we want to do is God's vision, Jesus' vision. He rolled it out in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. It says, You are a light. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is Jesus' vision for His church. And He told it to His disciples. Don't hide. I want you to be a light to the people all over the world. Not just in the San Gabriel Valley, but all over the world. And that is our vision for the region. And our regional plan is this. We, uh, our heart is to be a beacon of faith and God's love for families. You know, God can't literally reach out and grab families and hug them. But you know what He can do through us? He can do that. And use you as an instrument. And that's what we want to do. We want to be an instrument of God to show love. In our area, this area, the East San Gabriel Valley, basically it's from the 605 freeway to the 15 freeway. And the IE has a problem because we kind of we spread our border. They, they reach past theirs. But, you know, that, that's where we have people that are living right now. And we believe God's going to use them to make a difference in that area. But it's a melting pot of communities. And predominantly where we live is families. It's a bedroom community area. Although there are singles and college students and young people, but it's predominantly families. So that's why in our 10-year plan, we want to focus on families. And our strategy is to be a faith-centered church of disciples of Christ. Jesus is our focus. And we want to, we want to follow Him. And we want to build strong families with God's Word as our guide. You know, families are in trouble right now. You know that, right? I don't have to tell you. And if you don't know that, watch the news tonight and you'll see. You'll get an update of what's happening with families. And so we want to make a difference in that way. Let's take a look at our community. This is a map. You may not be able to see it great. Maybe turn down the headlights. The high beams that we have up here and then we'll turn them back on. But this is our, this is our area. This is our community. Uh, a little past the 605 and a little past the 15. Uh, right up to right up to Orange County, and this is this is the area that we want to saturate with God's word. And you can say, well, there are already churches, but there are people that don't know about God in this area, and it's our initiative. We want to take the initiative. We want to help them and have small groups in these areas. Let me give you a breakdown of our of our population base in the area where we live, in the area that we have a dream to impact. Here's a, a graph. We have a breakdown of 27% of white. Uh, we, 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 took the, we put white people on there, but we took that off. Just, just white, Caucasian people. 
African-American community is about 4%. Uh, Asian community, about 17%. And all others, 3%. But then you've got a huge population of Hispanic people. And it's okay, you can be proud of that. 49% of the population in the East San Gabriel Valley is Hispanic. And we don't want to neglect any one of these population bases. In fact, it is our goal to focus on all of them. We want to be a melting pot. And look around. Look at the, look at the variety we have here in our fellowship. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of what God has done. He has done it in our church. And we need to embrace that. That's exciting. We also have a, a number of uh, college campuses in our area. Approximately 80,000 college students on 15 college campuses. You guys can applaud here in the, uh, in the campus area. That's exciting. And, uh, you know, we, we believe God is going to do incredible things in the campus ministry. Because if you want to start over again and you want to make a difference, you've got to start with the young people. And that includes the teen ministry also and the pre-teen ministry. As you go down the sheet here, you see, and, and this is just for you to go over and pray over, so you know what we're doing and what we're about. Our leadership team, it's our conviction that every disciple is a leader or leading, guiding others towards God and his or her gifts to inspire the congregation. And every part of the body is vital in order to make the body grow and mature. In most churches, you've got a select group of people that are leaders. And that used to be kind of our old model. We're breaking the mold on this because we want everybody to feel a responsibility in some shape or fashion, whether you were baptized two weeks ago, Clayney, we want you to lead. We want you to make a difference. We want everybody in the church to feel like, hey, I'm a part of this. I'm vested. And this is my opportunity to shine for God. And we'll be, we will build deep faith and family throughout every ministry and disciples in our congregation through faith principles, faith partnerships, faith talks, faith groups, and through the teaching and living out marriage and family principles, we'll provide hope and inspiration to marriages and families throughout the East San Gabriel Valley. And these are things that we want to use as instruments for growing our faith. And as we talked about uh, several weeks ago, uh, these are the five springboards of faith that we want to focus in on. In the Kingdom Kids ministry, in the preteen ministry, in the teen ministry, in the campus ministry, in the singles ministry, in the marriage ministry, in all the ministries, these five focuses can be effectively used to grow faith. As we've talked about, practical application of the Bible. It's not enough to know the Bible. You've got to know how the Bible applies to your life. And that is our primary focus today. You're going to get some teaching on how to apply what you read. Because a lot of people get lost in the Bible. They go, what, what does this have to do with me and my life? And you're going to get that today. Providential relationships. We believe in relationships. You know, faith grows in relationships. We believe God uses people to grow our faith. 
And then private practice. We believe it's an individual's responsibility to have their own relationship with God. And to walk with Him, to talk with Him, to, to pray to Him, to read, to hear His Word. And also to offer back to Him gifts in our offering. Giving a tithe. And we're going to be talking about that in the future. But private practices, pivotal circumstances, these are things that God allows in our lives. Most of them are difficulties, but He uses them and He gives us the opportunity to grow our faith. And the last one is our own personal ministry. And I want you to be praying and thinking about what is going to be your personal ministry here in the church. And I appreciate so many that have risen and stepped up to the personal ministry. And and I believe it's going to be even greater in the future as more take that initiative. Each ministry plan to grow and train at all levels. You know, if we're going to help other people, we've got to train and be better at what we do in helping others. God wants to train us. Just as Jesus took those 12 men and He trained them, we want to be trained. I want God to train me. I want God to train you so that we can be even stronger, even more full of faith, more effective at helping and ministering to other people. And here are the breakdowns. Our, our marriage and married and family ministry, uh, we're going to be focusing a lot on marriage principles. This Wednesday, we're beginning our parenting principles. Six weeks at midweek. want to encourage all the parents, all the marrieds, be there on Wednesday night. Even if you're not, it would be good for you to hear because then you can help other people. When you know how to parent, you can maybe give some advice to somebody. Maybe your kids are grown. You say, well, I've already done that. But it's important for you to learn God's principles about parenting so you can help other couples. The teen ministry, as you've heard this morning, the TBTs, truth be told, uh, Bible talks or, or faith groups on campus. Uh, and we have a goal in the next 10 years that 80% of our, our, our children in the church will grow up and come into the faith. That's a, that's a joint operation. That's not just our church, but it's also encouraging parents at home to study the Bible with their children, to pray with their children, to raise up in the Lord. And we believe, because this is already happening in some of our regions in the L.A. church, 80% of their kids are getting baptized. That's awesome. That's historic for us. And we believe God can do that. Our singles ministry... Having a, a specialized ministry focus on professionals, the Oasis ministry, and single parents. Taking care of all these needs. And then our campus ministry. Are you guys excited? Hey, I was born in the campus ministry. I was born in the faith in the campus ministry. What a great time to launch your life and your dreams and your vision for God. But uh, the, the goal here is to convert and raise up future leaders of our region, but also of society. Uh, Raise people that that can help lead in our community. And then uh, our Latin ministry. As you know, uh, 49% of the population, 38% of those, or 38% of those Latin, of the Latin population speak Spanish at home. That's huge. Exactamente. So we have to have, in this area, we absolutely have to have a a great, dynamic Latin ministry spoken in Spanish because that's their first language. And if you want to reach and grow people's faith, it's got to be in their language. It's not a separation. It's a vehicle in order to help them grow their faith. I also want to, I'm very excited about this. This This is a snapshot of our new website that we're going to be rolling out. 
As you know, we're in the 21st century. A lot of stuff goes on in the web. You've got to be on the web in order to have a platform, in order to have an outreach. And I appreciate so much Marcus. He's been, he's been pulling a team together to work on our website. And uh, it's going to be a user-friendly website. You can get everything you need, in many regards, through this website. And as I've told you, we've got live simulcasts. And let's say again, hello to the people. There are nine people watching online right now, our service. Let's say hello to those people. But imagine you're somewhere, you, you, you're sick in bed, you've got a fever and the flu, and I, man, I wish you could be at church. I want to be devoted. You can be. Now, this doesn't mean, you know, it's a substitute. I, I'm feeling tired and I don't want to go to church and I'm going to watch it online. Uh, no. No, no. Okay? That's not devotion. There's another word for that. It begins with L. Okay? But this is our website. And uh, we're going to be rolling this out in the next couple of months. We're going to have a... Uh, uh, a, uh, a, uh, I'm, I'm going blank here. For your iPod, we'll be on iTunes for, uh, for your, your app, for your, uh, podcast. That's what it is. I went blank. For your podcast, we're going to have our own place on, on iTunes for our podcast so you can get all the lessons. Uh, on your iPod, download them. You're there, right there. If you want to hear it again, you can, you can hear the lesson again and again and again. For parents, hearing faith principles, hearing parenting principles, hearing marriage principles, awesome opportunity. And then obviously, uh, what we've got through our live simulcast, you can also watch the service, not just live, but it's being recorded so you can watch what goes on. You can watch the lesson. Isn't that exciting? So it's not just hearing it, but you can see it via the Internet. Uh, and so all of our services are now being recorded, uh, not just in audio version, but also in, in, in video. So you can watch it. The, the Kingdom Kids teachers are very excited about that. But an incredible opportunity for us to launch. And also in the future, we want to get on the social networking uh, scene with Facebook and Twitter and all these things. Because I, I don't know if you know this, there are people that don't get out much. Their social world, and I, you think it's funny, but this is real. There are people, their social world is limited to work and the computer. They don't literally interact with people face to face. It's all via the net. Imagine the opportunity, somebody who's hurting and who's lost, and because we're on the web and we have a presence on the web, on Facebook and on Twitter, we can reach out to them and they can find faith and grow their faith. And walk into those doors for the first time and say, there are people in this area and I can have friends. So I'm very excited about this. Also with our website, you see what the name of the church is? What's the name up there? Who can read that for me? Faith Family Church of Christ. Now, this is just a proposal. As of today, I want to ask for your help. We want to ask for your help in coming up with a name for our region. We're going to change the name of the region. Okay? Because let me tell you why. East region. What's that mean? You walk up to somebody on the street and you say, Hey, I want to invite you to the East region. East region. What, what are you about? What, what's your focus? And so we want to change the name of the region so that it can represent who we are and what we're about. And so a proposal is out there, Faith Family Church of Christ. We are the Faith Family Region. 
of the L.A. Church of Christ. So we want that. We want that to be our name. And it's going to be official. We're going to be on the web with that name. And if, you know, if there's somebody that was back in the old days and they go, well, what about the East region? They can still, you know, type that up, Google that, Google search that, and this will come up. So even though we do away with the name, if somebody wants to find us, they can still find us through the East region. Isn't that awesome? That's the power of the web. So that's, this is part of our plan. Our goal for souls, and it's on here in your sheet, our goal for souls, in the next ten years, it's an ambitious goal, but we believe God can do even more. This is our, our present, present membership in our region. As you can see, we have right now about 472 members. And our goal, and you can see this is our present membership in these, uh, these bar graphs. And where we want to go with this in the next 10 years is we want to see each ministry grow, the married ministry. And, and let me just say on the, on the outset, 510 is nothing what God is going to do. I believe He's going to do so much more in the married ministry. Uh, I, I believe that. But this is, we're lowballing it here. This is, this is the, the, the faith goal that we have, but I believe God can do so much more. And you can go down here and see, want to see our, our campus ministry have a, a hundred thriving college students in the campus ministry. And obviously the campus ministry is something that's cycling in and out. People are graduating and then they're moving into the singles ministry. And then some of the singles, they get married and they come on in the married ministry. So there's always things going on, changes going on. And the teen ministry the same. They want to have, they now have 27 uh, members and they want to have a hundred in the next 10 years. Imagine that. Just this front area right here, just teens, it's going to get loud and crazy uh, with the teen ministry. So we want to see in the next 10 years, uh, 1,220 disciples. So 1,220 people don't even fit here. So what's that tell you? We're going to have to have more services in the next 10 years. For some of you have been dying for the Saturday evening service, we're going to have to have one of those. And a Sunday evening, for some of you latecomers that come in late, dragging, and Sunday morning's hard for you to get up, well, we'll have a service for you later in the afternoon so you can make it. I don't believe that's the issue, but, you know, that, that, that's, that's another talk, another time. But uh, this is our goal for the, for the region. Also, a great passion. Turn the volume up on the, uh, on the presentation for me, please. Got to have some sound. Are you ready? Higher, 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 higher. Come on. Give it to me, Steve. Higher, higher, Sabes mejor que nadie que me fallaste. Que lo que prometiste se te olvidó. Our heart in the East Region is we want to help the mission work in Mexico and Central America. It's a big deal to us. God has given us the opportunity to affect 38 churches uh, with a population of more than 150 million people in Mexico and Central America. Uh, that's like the United States in half. That He's given the East Region the opportunity to mentor, to help, and to send resources to them so they can continue advancing the gospel. It's not just about our area. We want to change the world. And that's our part of the world that we want to affect. And this is a map, in case you don't know where that is. Mexico and Central America, you know there's some people geographically challenged. 
in the world. I understand that. So there's a map for you so you can know where these places are. And in nine nations. Uh, and, and, and just so you get some, some uh, ideas, this is a, a conference of the, uh, the church leaders in Central America that was held this year. Uh, this is a, uh, a leadership conference that was held in Puebla this year. Eighty-five church leaders, husband and wife, were there uh, at this conference. And this was a time when we were together uh, fellowshipping, breaking bread together. Great Mexican food, hot and spicy, the way I like it. And this is a message for them, from them. Let's go ahead and turn the volume up on that again, Steve, if you can. You got it? Forget it. All right. <laughs> Celebrating our diversity. There was, a, there was a video clip there where they say, Muchas gracias. All those 85 church leaders. We want to celebrate our diversity. Diversity. Uh, you know, we have incredible diversity in our church, and we need to celebrate that. Uh, highlight our services. You know, we've had several uh, Asian Jubilee services. We've had Latin services. We've had children's services. It's breadth and width that we want to celebrate uh, cultural events like the Cinco de Mayo Uh, But this obviously has to be something where there are a few delegated leaders who say, you know, I'm going to represent our culture and and I want to take up that initiative. And I, you know, Craig Dickens came up to me the other day, said, we want to have a children's service. And I said, come on, you know, let's do this. Give me a date and we'll set it up and include them in our worships. And it says here, E rated E for all ages. Everyone is represented. And that's an incredible thing that I'm, I'm proud about our church. If you look around, there are, there are more mature people. Can't say old people because they, they don't like that. More mature people. There are middle-aged people. And there are people that are young in our church. And we always need to celebrate that. Uh, that's, a, that's a powerful strength in our church. And our community focus. If you could turn the volume back up. This is our community service video. My best friend gave me the best advice. He said each day's a gift and not a given right. Leave no stone unturned. Leave your fears behind. And try to take the path less traveled by. That first step you take is the longest ride. If today was your last day, tomorrow was too late, could you say goodbye yesterday? Would you live each moment like your last? Leave old pictures in the past, donate every night you have. If today was your last day. turn the lights back on. God's vision is for us to have an impact in the community. And that's part of our plan. You can read through it. 
we want to do regular events to serve the community. Because we believe that's the way God's going to get our message out about who we are and what we believe when we serve the community. And as you heard last week, uh, those of you at the Southwest Conference, thousands of Haitians have been encouraged and helped and given medical service, food, water, because of your contributions that you give. But also on a local level, we want to serve the community hands-on. Because that's what affects people the most. So let's transition into our lesson today. That's just the presentation part. Because that's great that we have a vision. But without you in that vision, without you having a personal vision, that vision on that piece of paper is going no place. And so today I want to encourage you through His vision through you. And this is rated E for everyone. Everybody's included, as Mike said. God has vision for everyone. And we're going to do a little Bible study on vision today. And apply the Word of God and see how the Word of God can apply to us. And look back at history and see how God gave men a vision and what it took to fulfill that vision. So let's begin our study. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. Let's just get a, a, an idea of who God is. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, it says, So God created human beings in His own image. In the image, God created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and, be, and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. You know a good parent? What does a good parent want for their children? They want them to become like them. That's what good parents do. Obviously, parents that are, you know, not there, they they don't want their children to become like them. They'd be like somebody else. But God is a good parent. He wants us to be like Him. He created us in His image. He wants you to become like Him. Isn't that awesome? That we were created in His image? But we've got to fill that gap because obviously for many of us, and I include myself, we are a ways away from being like God. But that's His vision for us. God has incredible vision. And imagine He took took Adam out and He said, all right, look around. All these animals, everything you see, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. What an incredible vision. Now, A little challenging for Adam. I mean, his first day, he's a grown man. And he says, what's a seed? What, 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 What does this mean? And so there was a huge, you know, uploading of of training and education that he had to go through. But God had incredible vision, even in the beginning. Then verse 29, it says, Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give everything. Green plants for food. And so it was so. God saw all that He had made and it was very good. And there was evening. And there was morning on the sixth day. Just six days. And what an incredible vision. And this is the God who we serve. And then let's jump ahead to chapter 9. We're looking at Noah. 
God had to start all over because of the corruption of man. And he started all over and he he goes and takes it a notch higher with his vision. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1, he said, Then God said, God bless Noah and his son saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. What's the emphasis here? The whole thing. I'm giving you everything. I want you to be fruitful and increase in number. What a tremendous vision. And he says here, the fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and every creature that moves along the ground and all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you just as I gave you the green plants. Now I give you everything. What's God holding back from you today? He has a tremendous vision for you and your life and he takes it a notch higher. Here in verse 8, he says, Then God said to Noah and his sons, I now establish my covenant with you. What's a covenant? A covenant is a relationship. God wants a relationship with his people, with his creation. And that covenant is even higher with you and me as disciples under the covenant of Christ. And he's established a covenant with, with us And with our descendants, meaning coming on down and that my children can also have a relationship with God and their children can have a relationship with God. That's awesome. And the livestock and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth, I will establish my covenant with you. Never again will life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. A promise, a covenant that God made with Noah and his descendants. You don't need to be afraid. What I want is a relationship. And you and I need to respond to that relationship. So let's jump on ahead. This relationship's talked about with Jesus at the end of his ministry. And look what he says here in verse 20 of chapter 28 of Matthew. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And what does he say here? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Once again, what does Jesus say about his relationship with the church? I will be with you. But the question is, will we be with him? Will we be unified with him in that relationship? And let's break down this whole idea of a covenant. Because, you know, right now in the professional football world, baseball world, basketball world, you talk about these guys that are negotiating contracts, right? Multi-million dollar franchise players They negotiate a contract. What's a contract? A contract is what I can get out of this agreement. It's a selfish agreement. Gimme. The owner gets something. The player gets something. Here's the difference. What is a covenant? A covenant is the exact opposite. What can I give? That's what binds. That's what binds. Could you imagine LeBron James saying, Hey, 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 I'm not worried about what I make. I'm worried about this franchise. I'm worried about this, this sports team. And I want us to be great. And I'm in this to give, not take. Wow. And then you've got these players that bebop around. You know, they're going from one team to the next team to the next team. And the highest bidder gets it. 
You know, God closed the deal. He said, I'm going to give you everything. I'm not going to hold back anything. I'm going to give you my son. I'm not going to hold withhold one thing from you. But then you and I need to sign and make that covenant with the Lord. You know, too often what these, these, these high-priced players do is they take their, their contract. Right? they got a contract. What do they do with it? Throw it away. And it's on to the next one. What about you? What have you done with your covenant that you made with the Lord? Is it still live and active? Are you still bound? Are you a franchise player for life in the kingdom of God? God wants us to be with Him forever. Not just for a period of time when we need Him. Too many of us use God. We take advantage of God. When there's hard times, we're crying out, Help me, God! Help me, God! And then when we're better, we distance ourselves from Him. We get busy with other things. And we don't have time for Him. We don't have time for His Word. We don't have time for His people. We don't have time for His purpose. You have become a LeBron James. And you're jumping around. That's not the relationship God set up with you. I will be with you always. To the end of time. That's how I want our relationship to be. And we've got to give that back to God and make that covenant with Him. And then in Genesis, we look at Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to need our Bibles here. I hope you brought your Bible today. Did you bring your Bible? Good. I feel like I'm losing some of you, so let's go to God in prayer so we can bring you back. Okay? I want to bring you back. Let's, let's go to God in prayer before we read this verse, because this is powerful. This is high octane. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. This is 12, verse 1. Are you with me? Verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, it wasn't Abraham yet, it was Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Did he know where that land was? Had no idea. I'll show you later. Just go. Okay? What was he leaving? His family, his familiar surroundings. And at this time, these were, these were old times. What were people like out there? It was like Mad Max. You know? Or some of the other movies that are out there where you, I mean, you don't venture out of the, the, the city. You know, escape to New York, those kinds of scenes where, man, you just, you do not leave your familiar surroundings because it's dangerous out there. They're savages. That's what God was asking Abram to do. Trust me. Look what God says to Abram. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples of, on earth will be blessed through you. You know what our vision is for the East San Gabriel Valley? That people will be blessed. The whole valley will be blessed because of our faith in God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God could use you to bless your neighborhood? But because you're there, God will send down a blessing on your neighborhood. Do you believe because you're in Cal Poly, Cal Poly is going to be blessed 
that's what God wanted to do with Abram. And through verse 7, you know how many times God says, I will? Seven times. Seven times. I will, I will, I will, I will. What's that tell you about God? He's very determined to give us and to bless us. And he's very determined. He was very determined to bless Abram. Seven times God said, I will. But what are we going to say back to God? What will we do? What will we give back to him? Are we going to limit him? And obviously for Abram, this, this decision was a huge one. It takes great faith. And if you're going to fulfill any of God's visions for your life, what will it require? Faith. For Abram to leave his familiar surroundings and move out there into the unknown world, he didn't even know where he was going. And he struggled with it. If you read about the, the, the history of Abraham, you're going to see he struggled with this. It was not easy. I mean, let's just say for some of you, hey, move on down to, to, to Tijuana tomorrow. So you're crazy, man. They're killing people every day. Do you know that there's been 38,000 people killed in the last few years in Mexico because the drug... I'm not moving down there. Where's your faith? If God asked you to do it, would you do it? This was what was so incredible about Abraham as he had that faith. Now, obviously God's not going to send us maybe to do something like that, but he is asking us to do something to step out on faith, right? Are you ready to step out on faith? And that's what, a, that's what this, this vision requires. Faith. He had great vision for Abram. Now, let's deal with some age issues. Because, you know, some of us here feel old. You're 30 years old! And you're already thinking about retirement? And I think that's not right. Man, you've got a lot of good years. Some of you young moms, oh, I'm tired all the time. You're young. You've got, you got a lot of vitality. Abraham was 75 years old when his life got started. And you're like, man, why can't my life get started at 18? Hey, sometimes things happen with time. But whatever the timetable is, we've got to be willing and ready. You know, so I want to talk to some of us that are more mature in our fellowship. I need some, uh, I'm going to need some volume here, Steve. Is there really an age limit to God's vision? Let's watch a commercial here because it, it, it's pretty inspiring what they talk about. When I grow up, I want to fix up old houses. When I grow up, I want to take him on his first flight. I want to run a marathon. I'm going to work with kids. I'm going to own my own restaurant. When I grow up, I'm going to start a band. At AARP, we believe you're never done growing. I just want to get my car back. Yeah. You know, not too long ago, there was a, a, a member of our church, the L.A. church, who came to his minister and he said, you know, I just don't know if God can use my life. I'm 47 years old. I've made a mess of my finances. My life is a mess. And the minister turned to him and said, 
Man, you're 47 years old. It's halftime, dude. You got two quarters left. If you turn this game around and you turn your life around, nobody's going to remember what you did with those first 47 years. And I love this time of the year. Football season. Particularly college football. I love it. I love it because, you know, it's all about the game. You get four quarters. So many parallels. But some of you are at the halfway point of your life and you're acting like it's over. These people are saying, man, when I grow up and they're 60 years, 60 some years old, they're on the brink of retirement, quote unquote. But they've got dreams. They've got things they want to do with their lives. And as it said at the end, we should never grow up like that to where we just flatline. And I'm concerned for some of you. You don't have vision. You don't have dreams. You're not going after something. You don't want to do something with your life and make a difference with your life. It's not our, it's not our thing that the church do it. It's what God wants to do with you. He gave you life. I was going to put a clip on here, but I couldn't because the language was a little rough. A little rough. But it was a halftime speech one, a quarterback gave. They were down. He had two, sep- two interceptions all season long. And in that first half of the championship game, he threw two more. He matched his whole year in interceptions. They were down. It was a championship game. He pulled the team together. And he said, we got 30 minutes. And what we're going to do is we're going to go back out there we're going, to, we're going to hit somebody, and we're going to run down the field. We're going to score touchdowns, and we're going to win this game. 30 minutes, and it'll affect the rest of our lives. He walked out, won the championship. You know, some of you need a little halftime speech in the locker room. You need to sit down with God, and you need to get a halftime speech. You got half of your life that's in front of you. And it's time to go and score some touchdowns to make a difference with your life. Stop, stop listening to those negative, half-empty glass thoughts of, oh, I don't know if I can do it. And this is a side note. Okay, I asked Josh and he said, yeah, you might want to mention it. Our physical bodies. Are we taking care of our physical bodies the best we can? Or are we letting ourselves go? Our physical body is a reflection of what we're thinking forward if we want to do something with our lives. Why do you think athletes stay in condition all year long? Because they know that season's coming. And they want to be at the top. They want to be in shape. They want to be ready to score that touchdown. They've got to stay in shape. But if you don't, what's that say? And I'm not down. This isn't, this isn't being down. This is just about our thinking. I know it's hard for some of us, but it it reflects a lack of vision. And if we're thinking forward like these these, these people in the commercial, like, hey, when I grow up, but you've got to start planning for that and preparing for that, thinking of that, dreaming about that. What do you want to do with your life? And it's not just limited to here in the church. It's about your career. It's about your family. It's about your life. Spread your wings. What do you want to do for God? What do you want to do for your, for your life? What mark are you going to leave? That's what God wants to do with us. 
a personal vision. And it starts today. you got second half. Okay, when we walk out of those doors, guys, let's win this game. Let's do this. That's what you need to be thinking, right? Okay, now be negative. It's about the possibilities. And the greatest thing is you have on your side the most powerful visionary God. And I've seen it. Even in our fellowship today, I've seen so many of you turn your lives around. And I believe there can be so many more. Because what's turned around in your life is just the beginning of what can happen. Alright, that was for free. Genesis 13. We need to keep, we need to keep rolling. Okay, we're going we're gonna to skip this. Genesis 13. God had a tremendous vision for the land. He told Abram to go walk around. This is when He told him, look up at the stars and see... How many stars are there? This will be your descendants. All this land. He told him, go walk around the land. Take a look. I'm giving it to you. How many of us are ready to walk around Whittier, Baldwin Park, Hacienda Heights, Diamond Bar, West Covina, San Dimas, Pomona, Ontario? We waited to walk around these areas and say, God, you gave it to me. I'm going to pray it and claim it. This is, this is what you've given me. And, and that's what he did. Abraham had no children. How's he going to... Stars in the sky. How's that going to happen? This is complete faith. But he believed. He believed God. Let's keep rolling. Alright, now we're going to focus in on Joseph, the great dreamer. And this is where we're going to close out. Genesis 37. You're going to need your Bible here. Okay? Genesis 37. In verse 5, Joseph had a dream. Now, let me set the, the context a little bit. Joseph was the favorite of all of Jacob's children. And Jacob gave him a robe. It was very ornate robe. It was like a nice leather jacket, sweet leather jacket, embroidered with his name on the back. Okay? And then as, and then as, then as all of his brothers had those nylon jackets, the cheap ones they sell at Ross for $12. He had the $500 leather suede jacket. Nice. And so his brothers despised him because he was the favorite. Now listen, it gets worse. Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Got some family problems here. Verse 6. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. When we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaves rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another, another dream. Now, there's some times where you need to keep the second one to yourself. <laughs> All right? You know the first one caused problems. Don't share the second one. But man, he, you know, he can't keep it to himself. Then he had a second dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and moon and the seven stars, 
were bowing down to me. Wow. When he told this, when he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. You prideful dog. What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, after this, we're going to see a a video clip of what happened to Joseph after these dreams. See, we can talk about these visions, and you can have your vision for your life. But let me tell you this, your vision will be tested. And our visions sometimes need to be tested because there's a lot of, like Joseph, there was a, a sense of entitlement. He was the favorite. You think that had done something to his, you know, his mind? Yeah, he was very prideful. He'd become very prideful. I was the youngest of five children. And, you know, they complain about you get all the hand-me-downs. No, when you're the youngest, you get a lot of good stuff. You get special treatment. Especially from mom. Because you're the baby. That upbringing created a sense of entitlement and pride in my life. It was very prideful. And to this day, pride is always something God reminds me of. Careful. And Joseph needed to get purified. And let's watch what happens. If you could turn the lights down and the sound up. This is a modern day version of of Joseph and his brothers. This is a generation of abandonment. We have been abandoned by politicians, 
preachers, friends, and even our own families. The divorce rate has tripled. Loneliness and depression are on the rise, and our culture has become one of increasing isolation. Joseph knew the pain of abandonment. He had everything. He was his father's favorite. He was given a coat that represented God's favor on his life. He had dreamed of power and a blessed future. Now suddenly his brothers, his own flesh and blood, had turned on him and left him alone, far from home. In that dark place, Joseph faced two paths. Down one lay hopelessness and despair, a place of disappointment and empty dreams and solitude where no one could ever be trusted again. Down the other path was something better, a God who guards and fulfills our dreams, who doesn't promise a smooth journey, but tells us he'll walk beside us through the valleys, through the hard times. Everybody goes through seasons of abandonment, but it's how we react, how we persevere, that will determine the final outcome of our lives. You know, right here is a great example. Joseph became second in power in Egypt. But what choice did he make in order to fulfill that dream? He had two roads, two choices. And let's read the verse here in chapter 50 of Genesis. Verse 19. It says here, but... Joseph said to him, this is the opportunity. When he'd risen to power, his brothers came and the dream was fulfilled. They literally bowed down to him. The dream came fulfilled after this. And had it not been for the older brother, they would have killed him. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. So then, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What's that tell you about Joseph's heart? This is an incredible story of forgiveness. Who are you mad at today? Who do you have issues with today? Somebody in your past? Let me tell you, bitterness, anger are vision stoppers. The only way that God's vision could be fulfilled in Joseph's life is when he was decided, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let God, I'm going to turn the page. I will hold no ill will towards anyone. He had every reason. What his brothers did and what his family did to him was awful. I'm going to turn the page. And the reason for it is because, as the verse says, what was the vision? What God did was for the saving of many lives. You know, our vision, our 2020 vision, if you stop and think about that number, 1,220 members from 472 to 1,220. Those represent lives. Those represent represent people like you. And if we're going to allow God to to, to fulfill the vision in our lives, we've got to be like Joseph. We will be tested. And you've got to make that choice. How will I proceed with the test? Will I get bitter 
and angry and resentful? Or will I lay it down and say, no, no, I trust God. I'm going to allow this to purify me and make this about others. God purified his pride, his, his selfish focus. And some of us have vision. There are ambitious members among us. But it's about us. It's not about others. God can't bless that. God wants to bless you, but it has to be about other people. You'll be happier in the long run. Because whenever you serve and give and think about other people, your soul gets filled. It's right. So as we close out and think about our 2020 vision, I want us to, to, to consider who is this going to be about? And the purpose of God's vision in our region is to save many lives. To save souls and families from despair and death. You know, there's some young people out there that unless they find God, they're on a road for destruction. Self-destruction. And it may end their lives. That was the path I was on. Let's go ahead and close out as we prepare for communion. Jesus said this to his disciples. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you now at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Joseph was one man. Jesus was beginning something on a much bigger scale. And not on a lifetime scale, but on an eternal scale. And that's what we're talking about today. How much did Jesus want us to get the vision? He died in order that we would see the importance of his vision. And he lays down his life and then he came back and reinforced the vision with his disciples. So as we take the communion, I want you to remember the price that was paid for the vision. That vision that God has for you on an individual level. And what He wants to do with your life. If you're visiting here with us today, I want to encourage you. God has vision for your life. And Jesus died to make that point. He poured out His blood and broke His body to make that point. I will, I will, I will, I will. That's Jesus. I want to bless you. I want to use you. But you've got to allow it. Let's go to God in prayer.